0: Hello and welcome. It's a star to steer her by—that Star Trek podcast—and we've recently finished *The Voyager*, so you know what that means.
1: We have to watch *Enterprise*
0: now. We're, well, yeah, hey. that means before we enter en- enter *Enterprise*. Wow. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> let's finally put our stamp on *Voyager* uh, with one of our patented fanfic days here on this ten-forward episode number thirty-five. Woo! So it's also our—is this seventh anniversary? Is that how this math worked out?
2: Yes, yes, that it sounds is. Right, I think
0: we're up to seven now. So that's fucking insane. I know. I
1: was.
3: There are kids that are alive now that weren't alive when we started, who are able to drink alcohol. I mean, that's able. That's how long but they we've been shouldn't. doing this. Nope. Well, yeah, I know it's totally yeah. illegal if they do, but but they totally could they absolutely could.
0: I'm learning a lot about Jake right now. We
2: we uh, are though. At the point where, if we hadn't done, you know, a couple of shore leaves and 10 forwards, and if New Trek hadn't kept on trucking, uh, we'd have been very close to finishing around now originally. That's true.
0: Yeah. Cause there's going to be about one year of Enterprise because it's only four seasons. So that would, well, yeah, that would give us another year of stuff before we run out of things that existed before this podcast started.
3: I mean, yeah. And to Chris's point though, I mean, yes. We may we would have almost been we would have been pretty close to finishing, but to be fair, I'm always close to finishing.
2: Yeah. Speaking oh. of which, let's
0: tell everybody who we are and how close to finishing oh, yeah. we are. This
2: is Ames, nice.
0: not even close. This is Caitlin. I haven't even started yet.
2: This is Chris. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I finished. Wow. This is Jake Jesus. going out of order. <laughs>
0: Fabulous.
1: Fuck. This, was, do a,
2: he, this I,
0: was a good idea.
2: <laughs> I'm so bad at order when we're remote. I'm sorry.
0: That's fine. We're good. We're good. Uh, So as I said, it's (laughs) fanfic time. You'll all remember a couple weeks ago during one of our normal Voyager episodes, we picked names out of hats, which in and of itself is always very fun. But now we get to read our fanfics that we've come up with. That's even more fun. Yay. So I'm super excited. I'm going to, because what we're doing this time, instead of picking randomly, is pick even more randomly, which uh, of us is going to go first to prove I'm not lying when to share screen with these jerks. Oh,
3: I don't trust I trust you. I, was Do gonna
1: you say, I, I trust you implicitly you and I don't you don't need to prove anything to me.
3: She just wants us to see that spreadsheet. Oh,
1: I love it. Look at that wheel.
0: Yeah, so there's a little wheel. Uh, it's,
1: it looks called, like Simon.
0: Yeah, from <laughs> wheelofnames.com, you just put your names in the wheel and you click to see who wins or loses depending on what you're playing the wheel with.
3: Is wheelofnames.com our sponsor this week? They damn well better be. Nice. All
0: right. Place your bets now. I'm hitting the wheel. There wheel, it
3: goes. Wheel, wheel, Oh, look at wheel. it all spinning. It's spinning. It's a
0: baby fucking wheel. Oh, man. Jake's going first.
3: Oh, Woo. shit. Wow. All
0: right. All right. We remove his name, and now oh, it I is got Jake's turn.
3: Yeah. All right. Well, so you will... Does everybody have the script? I did share it. I, I have do. It, yes. Oh, Jesus okay. Christ. Oh, it's a that. long bitch, eh? It, it's formatted in such a way that it's yeah,
1: actually... Yeah, yeah. It's still long.
0: It's still a long bitch.
3: You're going to love it. Okay, so uh, you'll recall that my two picks were Lewis Zimmerman, the uh, the creator of The Doctor, played in the show by The Doctor, <laughs> Bob Picardo, and Barkley, played in the show by Barkley, Dwight Schultz. <laughs> but today, uh, we're going to do this a little differently. We don't have the original actors on hand. I tried reaching out, and uh, I was basically told to fuck off. So... In lieu of that, I will be reading Zimmerman and the EMH. Chris, if you could read Barkley, I would appreciate that. Sure thing. Caitlin, if you could read Haley and Felix.
1: (gasps) Meow. (laughs)
3: Meow, exactly. And Ames, if you wouldn't mind reading the the, the stage directions, or I don't know what it would be called in a screenplay, but... I'll say the, stage directions. The actions. Yeah. Cool. So uh, just to give a brief intro, uh, just the title of my piece is Hollow Gestures. And that <laughs> is just because you have to use a hollow, hologram pun.
0: Yes, that's true. You do. Like in Hollow Pursuits. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. Interior. Lewis Zimmerman's lab, Jupiter Station. Fade up to reveal the laboratory of Lewis Zimmerman aboard Jupiter Station. The camera pans around to disordered lab. The disordered lab. Stacks of pads littered about, half-eaten trays of food. A menagerie of holographic creatures find perches amongst the clutter. The camera stops on the visage of a middle-aged balding man, the EMH. The EMH stands still, expressionless, lifeless.
3: This is Zimmerman, by the way, the opening line, just because it won't be clear. Audio. Anyway, sorry. Computer... Initialize EMH.
0: The computer chirps in acknowledgement. Suddenly, the EMH comes to life.
3: Please state the nature of the medical emergency.
0: Zimmerman, nearly identical in appearance to the EMH, except for a hint of stubble, walks into frame, assessing the EMH.
3: I have acute stabbing pains in my chest, shortness of breath, and my left arm is numb and tingling.
0: The EMH, seemingly unfazed by the otherwise alarming symptoms, Calmly picks up a tricorder off a nearby table and begins scanning Zimmerman.
3: There does not appear to be anything wrong with you. Please take an anti-inflammatory and return in four hours if your symptoms persist. Doctor, I really think something is wrong, and I have a strong sense of impending dread. (laughs) You could be experiencing a mild panic attack. I recommend taking taking slow, deep breaths until the feeling subsides. Don't you understand? I'm dying! I'M GOING. TO. DIE. RIGHT. NOW. DO. SOMETHING.
0: The EMH again glances at the tricorder, looks up.
3: Your scans are inconsistent with the prognosis of imminent death. (laughs) If these symptoms persist, I can prescribe a light sedative. (sighs) Computer, deactivate EMH.
0: The EMH fades out. Zimmerman falls into a chair and slumps. He picks up a nearby pad glances at it, and chucks it across the lab, frightening a cat.
3: I'm sorry, Felix.
0: <laughs> the cat runs over and hops up onto Zimmerman's lap. Don't mention it, Doc. You'll get there. Zimmerman pats Felix, who begins to purr. The comm unit on Zimmerman's desk, desk chimes. He taps it aggressively.
3: What is it? Your two
0: o'clock is here. Do you need a moment? Already? Zimmerman brushes some crumbs off of his uniform and half-heartedly pats down his hair.
3: Send him in.
0: A moment later, Barkley slinks in, carrying a pad. He glances around the lab in a mixture of awe and fear, as if he's about to meet the great and powerful Oz.
3: I apologize for the state of the lab. Oh, it's
2: it's, uh, quite all right. Uh, sir? And you are? Uh, Reginald? uh, Reginald! Lieutenant Reginald B- Barkley, sir, I-, I was supervising the the EMH integration on the Intrepid.
3: Okay, Lieutenant, and what can I do for you? I'm uh, uh, I'm here to deliver the field reports from the shakedown. Something wrong with subspace,
2: <laughs> hmm. sir? I asked why you were here. Oh, right. Um, I was in the neighborhood of Jupiter. Right.
0: Zimmerman holds out his hand. Barclay looks confused, but after a second, it clicks. He hands Zimmerman the pad. Zimmerman begins
2: reading it. The uh, integration was a complete success. You'll see the treatment outcomes and diagnostic actually are in the uh, n- n- 98th percentile compared to organic doctors. I'm a great admirer of your work, Doctor. I, I read your paper on multiplex matrix pipelining. It's, it's revolutionary. And the EMH is in... An- an- Zimmerman holds up his hand to silence
0: Barclay. It works.
3: Who wrote this? Uh, uh, I, I did, sir. And these field reports, they came from actual EMH patients? Yes, of course. I mean, yes. (sighs) Insipid demeanor? Mm Klingon-esque bedside manner? Emergency medical hothead? Nice. (laughs)
2: And you call this complete success? (laughs) Uh, those are just, a a few of the more uh colorful responses uh, the the vast majority were far more diplomatic more diplomatic
3: this is utter failure
0: zimmerman slaps the pad onto his desk he taps the comm unit
3: haley when is the next emh integration scheduled
1: the voyager emh is scheduled to be integrated at utopia planitia in 6 weeks
0: zimmerman wipes his face with both hands thinks <sighs>
3: Contact Starfleet, inform them that EMH will be delayed. Indefinitely. Pending complete overhaul. And advise them to deactivate the intrepid's EMH until further notice.
0: Doctor, are you sure you want me?
3: That is what you're here for, isn't it?
0: Zimmerman again taps his comm unit, deactivating it. He cups his hands over his face. Barkley stands, motionless, unsure if he should say anything. After a moment, Zimmerman looks up.
2: There's something else. Uh, I was just saying that I'm, I'm a great admirer of your work, and, and is is a truly monumental achievement.
0: Zimmerman again picks up the pad. Clearly. He tosses the pad into a nearby pile.
2: It really is. The sheer density of the matrix is beyond anything that's been done before. That's the problem. It's too dense. I had to cut out all
3: non-essential subroutines just to fit in the medical library. I asked it to to tell me a joke, and it diagnosed me with tuberculosis. (laughs) It has no personality, no creativity, no humanity.
0: Barkley considers whether he should say something, and does.
2: Sir, I've been thinking a lot about the field reports, and I want to help. And I think maybe I can? You. You can help me? Yes, I I have quite a bit of experience with hollow programming myself. Uh, When I was given this assignment, I assumed I would be assisting uh, I
3: neither mm. need nor want an assistant. Never have. Right. Of... Of course not. Thank you for delivering the good news. That'll be all.
0: Zimmerman curtly gestures towards the door while turning his attention back to his console. Barkley, nearly in tears, exits. Fade out. Scene 2. Interior, Lewis Zimmerman's lab, at Jupiter station. Zimmerman sits at his desk, tapping on a computer console with one hand, while studying a pad with another. He appears disheveled, his hair unkempt, his stubble has blossomed into the beginnings of a beard. He hasn't left the lab in days. Haley enters, carrying a tray of food. She brushes aside some clutter and places the tray down. Are you still reading that thing? Zimmerman reads aloud from the pad.
3: During a simulated trauma exercise, the EMH attempted to console a double amputee by informing her that halitosis is a curable condition and recommended a sonic periodontal descaler. Wow. (laughs) I created a sociopath.
1: This isn't healthy.
3: Oh, are you a doctor now too?
1: He called again this morning. Asked for another meeting.
3: (laughs) Can't the man take a hint? What'd you tell him?
1: I told him four o'clock today.
3: You what?
0: And you should change that shirt before he gets here. Fade out. You Scene smelly three. bastard. <laughs> Interior, Lewis Zimmerman's lab, Jupiter Station. Later that day. The lab is a bit tidier. Zimmerman is wearing a clean shirt. He has shaved. Barkley enters carrying another pad.
2: Uh, thank you for seeing me again, Doctor. I'm quite busy, Barkley. I just wanted
3: to give you this.
0: Barkley hands Zimmerman the pad.
3: What's this? Another round of fan
2: mail? It's a paper I wrote that I think uh, may be able to help you with the EMH.
0: Zimmerman looks at the pad, reading the title.
2: You can't
3: be serious. I I am. How is this in any way supposed to help with the EMH?
2: If you read on, you'll see that the adaptive personality algorithms... Will create a psychopath! No, I
3: mean, well... Listen, I've read all about this. I don't think there's any hollow engineer in the quadrant who hasn't. You're talking about using subroutines from a j- dangerous rogue program. No, absolutely not. This thing tried to commandeer a starship. Twice! What possible
2: use could this be for a medical program? Uh, Moriarty only did those things because of the way he was written. He was based on a character from an old Earth mystery story. I know what Sherlock Holmes is. (laughs) Uh, Of course. Moriarty was the the villain of the story. It was a core component of his personality subroutines. That's why he went rogue. But the adaptive subroutines can be isolated and generalized to any holomatrix, including the MH. If you'd just read my paper, I...
3: I have read it, Lieutenant. uh, You have? Yes. It's... brilliant. It's why I requested you be transferred to Jupiter Station.
2: Uh, you've requested me? Last
3: week I told you that I never needed an assistant. That's not entirely true. Early in the development of the EMH, I had an assistant. Well, a partner, really. A lot of my early successes, the animals, the EMH prototypes, even Haley, or as much his work as mine. He had a mastery with personality subroutines that I just could never match.
2: What, uh, happened to him?
3: He decided that working for Starfleet was squandering <laughs> his talent, so he left. Now he's off making piles of latinum, writing hollow novels for overgrown man-children. And I just carried on without him. I named the cat after him.
1: Ah!
3: <laughs> when I read your Moriarty paper, it was the first time... In a long time, that I felt like I'd found... an equal.
0: Barkley is speechless.
3: Listen, I would never admit this to anybody, but sometimes I feel like... like a fraud. No, of course not! It's just that my entire career I've been regarded as this... virtuoso. <laughs> the EMH is supposed to be my magnum opus. I spent years compiling the database, building thousands of subroutines, and and this is what I created? This
2: failure? This joke?
0: Barkley struggles to think of some way to respond.
2: If you'd, uh, be willing, it'd be my privilege to stay and do whatever I can to help. Zimmerman looks up, assesses Barkley. Very well.
0: Fade out. Scene four. Interior, Lewis Zimmerman's lab, Jupiter Station. Several weeks have passed. Barkley and Zimmerman are working together sitting at the main lab console. Both men appear completely changed, upbeat, and productive, functioning like a well oiled machine. The lab has been completely cleared of clutter.
2: Do you think it's too much? Hmm.
0: Zimmerman taps the comm unit.
3: Haley, could you come in for a moment?
0: Haley appears in the door.
3: Haley, what would you think of a singing doctor?
0: Well,. I'm not sure.
1: How about dancing? Singing, maybe. Not dancing.
2: That's what I was thinking, too. Thank you, dear.
0: Any time Haley exits, Barkley and Zimmerman continue their work. As they do, Barkley enters some commands into his console.
2: Uh, c- computer, activate EMH.
0: The EMH appears.
3: Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Uh, there's no emergency. Could you sing us a song? I'm a doctor, not a jukebox.
0: <laughs> nice. Humorous. The EMH looks mildly annoyed, but obliges.
3: Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling. Oh, my darling Clementine. You were lost and gone forever. Dreadful sorrow, Clementine. What song is that? That? Oh, it's a uh, canyon, an old Earth song. A canyon, I don't remember where I heard it. A mine. Dwelt a uh, computer,
0: deactivate EMH. Or the EMH looks briefly shocked and offended before vanishing.
3: A little grim, don't you think? I don't
2: know. I've always found it hauntingly beautiful.
0: Zimmerman smiles at this as if his heart grew a size or two.
3: You're just full of surprises, Mr. Barkley.
0: Ooh. Barkley blushes. <clears throat> Felix hops up on the desk and knocks over a glass of water in front of Barkley. Typical. Felix, be careful. Sorry, Reg. <laughs> Barkley sops up the spilled water with a nearby napkin and scritches Felix behind the ear. Aw, oh, good Felix.
3: These new adaptive subroutines are working wonderfully. We've reduced the matrix size by nearly 40%. You know, we may actually make the deadline for the Voyager EMH after all. I was thinking, Reg. Although it's only designed for emergency use, I could see a next-generation EMH being capable of long-term
2: operation. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. With a few minor adjustments, I, I could see an M.H. being able to remain active indefinitely. How would you feel about
3: dinner? There's a half-decent Vulcan bistro on the amenities level. D-dinner?
2: D- T- to celebrate our breakthrough. Oh, right! Yes, of course, I I don't think I've ever had Vulcan food.
0: Fade out. Scene 5. Interior, Lewis Zimmerman's Lab, Jupiter Station. The following day... Zimmerman jaunts into the lab, humming Clementine. Haley is milling about, watering plants. <laughs> Good morning, Doctor.
3: Good morning, dear.
0: How was your dinner with Lieutenant Barclay last night? Zimmerman eyes Haley suspiciously.
3: It was fine. Why do you ask? Come now, Lewis. I've seen the way you look at him. You see too much. Perhaps I should turn you into a Tiberian bat.
1: I know you don't mean that. I'll just mind my own business.
3: Good. Reg and I have a professional working relationship.
0: Haley shrugs and smiles to herself. She returns to watering the plants. Zimmerman sits at his desk and begins poking at his computer console. After a moment, Haley goes to leave. As she does, Barkley enters. Good morning.
2: Reg. Uh, Hi, Haley.
0: Barkley settles in at the desk opposite Zimmerman. He has an apprehensiveness to him.
3: I'm sorry again uh, about last night. I had no idea the red spice curry would be so spicy.
2: Don't uh, mention it. Uh, It was fine.
3: I had thought about the LMH last night. When we make our proposal to Starfleet Medical, I want you to lead the presentation. Then I'll come in with the technical details to really drive it home. The old one-two punch. Uh,
2: that's, uh... Barkley <clears throat> stops
0: mid-sentence and shifts in discomfort. Boner.
2: It, is something wrong, Reg? It's, uh,
3: it's
0: nothing. Really. Barkley stands and paces nervously.
2: Actually, it isn't. Go on. When I woke up this morning, there was a subspace message. I've been reassigned.
0: Zimmerman is shaken by this.
2: Reassigned? Th- that's ridiculous. Where to? They want me back on the Enterprise. Uh, well, I guess not back, technically. It's it's the new Enterprise. They want me for the, the outfitting and ship Shakedown. B- but you can't leave now. We're just getting started. I knew this was coming. This assignment was always temporary while the Enterprise is being built.
0: Zimmerman taps the comm unit.
3: Haley, get me someone at Starfleet Command!
0: Starfleet Command? Like, an admiral? No, uh, Haley, don't do that. Barkley taps Zimmerman's comm unit. Zimmerman looks at Barkley, confused.
2: You... want to leave? I... I don't, really, but... the, The crew of the Enterprise is like family. They saved me more times than I can count, I have to do this. Zimmerman,
0: crestfallen, slumps back into his chair.
2: But what about us?
3: I, I mean, I mean, what about our, our work? I'm sure you can finish without me. You said yourself
2: that the EMH is
3: nearly ready. What about the LMH? That That's as much your idea as it is mine. <sighs> I thought we'd be building it
2: together. We can continue to collaborate over subspace, and I will come back and visit as soon as I can.
0: Zimmerman stares off, dejected.
2: When do you leave? I've been ordered to report to Utopia Planitia by 1900 hours. Today? Well, you'd better go pack.
0: Zimmerman stands and extends his hand. After a beat, Barkley shakes it.
2: I just want to say that I appreciate the opportunity you gave me. It's been an honor working with you, Doctor. Doctor. Hmm.
0: Zimmerman grunts and nods. He sits and turns his attention to his computer console and begins punching out commands. Barkley slowly turns and exits. After a beat, Zimmerman angrily sweeps his hand across his desk, scattering its contents to the floor. Haley appears in the doorway. Fade out. Scene 6. Interior. Lewis Zimmerman's lab. Jupiter Station. Later at the same day, Zimmerman stands in his lab looking contented.
3: I'm really glad you changed your mind.
0: Pan to Barkley standing opposite Zimmerman.
2: I just couldn't leave with unfinished work. When I explained the situation to Captain Picard, he was more than understanding. He couldn't have been happy to lose you.
0: Barkley smiles at this.
2: I'm sure they'll manage. About something you said earlier. Hmm? About... us. Oh. No, uh, it's just... I don't... I've never felt comfortable with people. I've always been a bit of an outcast, in a way, struggling to find where I fit in. Even on the Enterprise, it took me a long time to earn the respect of my peers. But even then, I never felt like they truly understood me. And these past few weeks...
3: We're a lot alike, Reg. Before I met you, my only friends were my own creations.
2: The way I've felt since I arrived here and met you, will I finally feel like I've found where I belong? The truth is, I didn't just stay here for the work. Lewis.
0: Barkley reaches out and takes Zimmerman's hand. The men's eyes meet. Barkley takes a small step towards Zimmerman and leans forward. Zimmerman nervously leans in. Their lips are inches apart when... The comm unit beeps and Zimmerman pulls away. The moment is gone. Zimmerman angrily smashes the comm unit.
3: What is it?
0: I just wanted to let
1: you know that the shuttle to Mars is leaving in 15
3: minutes. And? I just wasn't sure if you wanted to... I'm quite busy right now, and I don't wish to be disturbed.
0: Zimmerman hits
3: the comm unit.
0: He paces, frustrated. He turns back to Barkley, who looks at Zimmerman sheepishly.
3: Lewis? (sighs) Computer... Deactivate Barkley Hologram.
0: Barkley vanishes. After a moment.
3: Computer. Delete Barkley Hologram.
0: The computer chirps in acknowledgement. Zimmerman collapses into his chair in despair. He glances around the empty lab. Felix meows and brushes against Zimmerman's leg. Zimmerman pats the cat. The end. Oh,
2: that's beautiful, Jake. Jake,
0: what the fuck? I'm
2: tearing <laughs> oh, up.
0: Fuck
1: me, Jesus.
2: I I'm glad I I figured like when I saw he was back, I was like, this is a hologram, isn't it? Yeah, so definitely. I, I tried. All to these be, men do uh, is build
0: holograms at each other.
2: Uh, I tried yep. to be uh, more confident, Hollow Reg.
3: Then, mm, yeah, that was that was what I was going for. He you was... notice I I I didn't do any of the stuttering.
0: Yeah, I noticed yeah. the stuttering wasn't in the script.
2: Yeah, so I was like, I think I know what he's pulling, so I'm going to run with it, and Christ, I hope I'm right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Your that's so
1: is really cute. That you. was really well done.
2: Yeah, re- well done, everybody. Yeah, that was that was delightful. I think it's our first fanfic that ends with someone writing fanfic. <laughs> <laughs> Meta. The ultimate self-insert fanfic, if you get my drift. <laughs> oh, my. Hey.
0: Oh. oh, I do now, damn it. <laughs> Gross. Oh, very well done, Jake. Yes, I loved it.
3: Well, thank you, everyone. Thank you for reading it. It was a delight.
0: All right, it's time. It's time to spin the wheel again. Woo!
3: Spinning the wheel, the wheel of
0: wheels. Okay, the baby we wheels. Are, we are viewing the wheel. It has three names in it, and it's, and soon it will only have two. So, who's going next? Round and round the wheel is going. It's probably gonna be me because I don't want
1: to fucking follow. That. It's
0: definitely Caitlin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, it yep. happened. It's Caitlin. Of course it did. Oh boy, I'm a winner. You won. I didn't write a script. I oh, wrote so we some... just we have to we get to watch you read. I wrote a garbage a garbage uh, rough draft for That's you. That's The best kind. Oh yeah, <laughs> this one's gonna be good. <clears throat> okay, here we go. "'Catherine, I have to say, I never expected to find you in such a broken-down dump as this ship. Why, I—' "'It was then that the figure stopped and looked at her. Really looked at her. "'You're not Catherine. Who are you, and why are you dressed as my dear Katie? "'You're the one who popped onto my ship out of nowhere. Who the hell are you?' Dalla's hackles were up. No reason to pretend otherwise.' You may call me Q, though you won't need to remember that for long. This conversation is already over, said the strange man, his tone affable, but with an undercurrent of danger. You have to get up pretty early in the morning to get the best of a Q. (laughs) I'll punish you for your insolence and for that terrible hairdo. (laughs) Really, Catherine would be so insulted if she could see you.
0: Truth.
1: (laughs) I've already had to deal with Janeway, she spat, and if I never had to hear her name again, it would be too soon. A smile crossed the man's face. Then perhaps it's time I paid a visit to my dear Katie, and as a gift, I'll deliver her the news that you have been flung far from the Delta Quadrant and won't be bothering or impersonating her again. What? Who do you think you are? Dalla demanded angrily. I, madam, am a Q, and your worst nightmare. (laughs) Who wrote this? The man raised his right hand slowly and seemingly in slow motion snapped the most consequential snap that Dalla had ever experienced. Her stomach lurched as her ship was hurled through space, beyond any warp speed she had ever experienced. They moved so fast that the entire bridge was filled with blinding light, created by each and every star and other celestial body that they passed. They came to a stop almost as suddenly as they had begun hurtling through space. "'Computer, where the hell are we?' she demanded, her voice shaky to her own ears. "'Currently located in the Gamma Quadrant, exact location unknown,' the computer intoned. "'The Gamma Quadrant!' she gasped, exasperated." captain we're being targeted by an unknown ship the comms officer <laughs> shouted i've tried hailing but they aren't answering get us the hell out of here cried Dalla, eyes wild we haven't come this far to be destroyed in the damned gamma quadrant the tiny ship jumped immediately back to life flying away from the closing ship the bridge crew were thrown by a sudden blast that struck them Captain, shields have taken heavy damage, down to 22%, cried the helmsman, fingers flying across the panel in front of him. If they hit us one, maybe two more times, we'll be goners. What do we do? Evasive maneuvers. Try not to take another hit. Prepare to go to warp. Warp drive is offline, (laughs) Captain. I don't think... Ah! Another shot slammed into the small (laughs) vessel, and the helmsman's panel exploded, rendering him unconscious, at least. Oh, God. (laughs) Hopefully not dead, thought Dalla. I don't want to believe the worst. We need a miracle, she thought, and what she got was the next best thing. Just in front of the ship, an anomaly opened, and she nearly leapt with joy. A wormhole! (laughs) Quick, get (laughs) us through there! They'd have to be crazy to follow us! (laughs) Dala didn't know how right she was. With the Dominion War in full swing and Deep Space Nine right on the other side of that wormhole, the Jem'Hadar, who had targeted her ship, knew better than to try to pass into enemy space. As long as the ship survives the journey through, we should finally be safe, she thought. And as they rocketed through the corridor of the wormhole, Dalla felt the, the hair on the back of her neck rise. There was something unusual about this wormhole, but she couldn't put her finger on it. She'd never felt anything like it before. The ship exited... We're not having an... It, we're not... There's no wormhole aliens in this Dang story. It. Dang the ship exited it. I was the counting worm, on it. <laughs> huh? I was counting on it. Sorry. Uh, the ship exited the wormhole and floated serenely for a moment, and Dala was shocked to find that there, within view of their miraculous exit point, was a space station. Crew, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, but that's our destination, and if we're lucky, we can find a deal or two to be made while we repair our ship. Dalla could never have expected to be welcomed aboard by the captain of the station himself, and if this was a fan fiction about Sisko, we would get into those details. <laughs> Instead, suffice it to say, there was some confusion about her identity that led to her, uh... Led to her freedom to walk around the station, but not without being watched carefully and unknowingly by, the deep, by Deep Space Nine's Constable Odo. Dalla had always enjoyed a strong drink and exotic delicacies, so the jingle she heard about visiting Quark's piqued her interest. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> she ran, she did not walk. No. Uh, and if what she knew about Ferengi from Voyager's Logs was true, <laughs> the proprietor might be able to help her to find a deal to be made. As she approached the bar, she gave her best imitation of Janeway's confident swagger. Barkeep, a Sumerian sunset, please, and perhaps some of these Bajoran delicacies I've heard so much about. Our specialty is the haspirate, Captain. I'll have some brought out for you right away. The Ferengi who stood behind the bar was oozing charisma and charm, and from the rakish grin he offered her, she felt certain she had found Quark. And to whom do I have the pleasure of serving these refreshments, Captain... Catherine Janeway of the Starship Voyager said, Uh Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. My crew and I ran into some trouble in the Gamma Quadrant, and we're here to make repairs and hopefully enjoy ourselves in the meantime. This response puzzled Quark, and his calculating Ferengi mind raced. He made it his business to know every ship docked at Deep Space Nine, the cargo on board, and anything he could get from guests in the know. He knew for a fact that Voyager was not at the station, and if she's lying, he thought, there may be an opportunity here. You know how Ferengi feel about opportunity. Captain Janeway, a a pleasure.
0: about it, Huh? I'm sure there's a rule of acquisition about it.
1: Oh, dude, I made up a rule of acquisition. (gasps) Hold on to your pants. Oh, man, oh, man. (laughs) Captain Janeway, a pleasure, he said, extending an arm to pull her hand to his lips for a quick kiss and a roguish wink. I am Quark, the owner of this establishment. You'll let me know if there's anything myself or my staff can do for you, won't you? Dala turned her head, feigning her delight at his attention, but grimacing inside, feeling his sharp, snaggly teeth Brush against her skin gave her the heebie-jeebies, but knowing that she had to get on his good side, she allowed it. Thank you, you, Quark. I can think of no one I would trust more. (laughs) Quark smiled and served her drink before excusing himself and walking to a table nearby, and one that was unusually full with five chairs rather than the usual four. He leaned down to clean the table and whispered, Odo, I know you're, well, one of these chairs. (laughs) Oh, I love their love. (laughs) I normally wouldn't do this, but I'm hoping something can be done for me if my hunch is right. That woman at the bar, she claims to be Catherine Janeway, but I've met Janeway and that is not her. So if we leave together later, follow me and be ready to take her down. He straightened up and walked back to the bar and waited. He didn't have to wait long, after a few extra strong sunr- sunrises, Dalla was ready to talk business. Loudly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Listen, Quark, I've heard things about you, she slurred, and I know you're a man who can get things. I couldn't tell Captain Sisko. Here she whispered conspiratorially. Conspiratorially? Mm, somebody tell to say that word. Conspirator... Conspiratorial? I'd, say, I'd say
0: conspiratorily. Thank you. I'm not sure if that's actually right.
1: That's the word, though. That's it. I'm here on a secret mission from Starfleet. It is imperative that I get weapons for myself and my crew, and that we are given access to a warp-capable ship as soon as possible. Can you help me and the Federation? <laughs> <laughs> Quark polished a glass, and he looked her up and down. How do I know you're telling me the truth? "'You doubt the word of a Starfleet officer?' she asked, indignant. "'Please, Quark, there's no one else I can trust.' "'All right, Captain,' said Quark, a reluctant sigh whistling through his craggy teeth. "'Come with me. "'I can get you access to the Defiant, warp-capable and even cloak-enabled. "'Bet you never dreamed to get something that good, huh?' "'That sounds perfect,' she said, shocked by her luck. "'When can we go?' Right now, said Quark, grabbing a phaser from behind the bar and handing it to her. Here's the only weapon I have on me, but the Defiant has a loaded armory on board. Everything you could need would be there. Quark whispered something to the bartender next to him and led Dala out of the room. Drunk as she was, she began to get suspicious as they walked towards the turbolifts. Why are you being so eager to please? I'm always eager to please, when the people who hold my lease need a favor, said Quark. Rule of acquisition 149. It always pays to have your lender be your debtor. Ooh, it's a good they one. They boarded the turbo lift and Cork commanded it to the docking ring. As they approached, Dalla felt a twinge of fear as she saw two brown-clothed security officers ahead. She stopped and tried to back away, but a strong hand wrapped itself around her arm from behind. Going somewhere! <laughs> a deep <laughs> and deeply sarcastic voice came from behind her. Dala was spun around to face Odo, the shapeshifter who served as Deep Space Nine's constable. "'What is the meaning of this?' she demanded. "'I am Catherine Janeway of the Starship Voyager, and you are interfering with official Starfleet business!' "'Oh no, I'm afraid not,' said Odo with a wry smile. "'I don't know who you actually are.' But I did confirm with Sater Fleet, this says, with Starfleet, that Captain Janeway is still lost in the Delta Quadrant, and no communication has been made for her about any secret missions. And he reached forward and pulled the phaser from her belt. You are carrying an unauthorized firearm. (laughs) He turned to the other security guards and said, take her to the brig. We'll talk to Starfleet to see what the punishment is for impersonating an officer. As the Bajoran officers pulled the struggling and arguing, undeniably drunk Dalla away, Odo looked at Quark. I'm surprised at you, Quark. No good deed goes unpunished, after all. And I thought all humans looked alike. I make it my business to know everything that happens on this station, Odo, said Quark. Besides, as I just said to... not Janeway, it never hurts to be owed a favor by Starfleet. Odo barked a sharp, ugly laugh. It's completely laughable that you think this minor matter would put the Federation in your debt, but I will admit you've given me some food for thought. What more could I want, Odo? Always keep him guessing. Quark removed the phaser from Odo's hand and started whistling back to the bar. Ah, <laughs> That's my fan fiction. I want, I want like to it. imagine
0: that Odo is just always something in Quark's bar and it's yes. a game they play.
2: <laughs> I know you're one of these chairs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aw, that's very cute. That's I like, I like cool. the use of Q as a way to get her up to, the, to yeah. the correct quadrant yeah. eventually. Well, that was kind
1: of like the last thing I had to figure out. I was like, but how am I going to get a dare? Q likes throwing people. He does, and, I and figured, he likes Catherine. I was going to say, especially if you're fucking pretending to be Janeway, I feel like he would be especially pissed. So, not my Kathy, My <laughs> dear Katie. Oh no, fuck me! Michael's the one that calls her Katie. Does he call her Kathy? Fuck. Oh well. Does he? I don't know. This is what happens whatever. when uh,
2: you can call her whatever he wants. He Michael, can. He's cute. He's the, he can do what. Michael may or may not have called her Kathy in mine. So
0: or oh, Kathy. Well, anyway. Thank oh, that's you all right. Because for... Chris has Michael Sullivan. Oh boy.
2: <laughs> and Satan's robot.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. So Caitlin's picks were Dalla and Quark. If you missed it. Oh yeah, I didn't uh, and they're that, darling. Sorry. Thank you. All right, one more spin of the wheel coming.
2: No, two more, surely.
0: No, that doesn't make yeah. any sense.
2: <laughs> I mean, we should still spin. Even yeah, only one it'll wild, be it'll really it could, fun. It could be a wild card. I wonder card. if it'll
1: let you. You probably. know what I mean? Like, I not I wonder know. if it even lets you spin if there's only one name. It's probably like, what are you spinning for, idiot? Right.
0: Oh, we're spinning it now.
1: Woo! And spinning! Well, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. Go, go,
0: go, 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 go. Uh, Ames, Ames, it is. Ames is me.
3: Ames is the winner. What do I'm, you win?
0: I win getting to to read a very long fanfic with you guys. Woo!
3: Oh goodness! All right, let me. Yeah, who am I doing again? Double check my. You, t- you messaged
0: me that right, Ames? I did. I did. So you there should have the various yes. characters y'all are playing. Got it. Eagle-eared listeners will remember that my picks were mazati and karak Mine is very long. It is yeah! over five thousand words because I'm a bit. I'm a bitch. This is also one of the most fanficky things I've, re- I've written, so it's very it's it's an unusual amount of fun, and will have an absurd amount of stage direction.
2: We're, we're lucky I didn't get him because it only occurred to me now looking at his name spelled out. But I totally would have done some sort of karak Korok thing and yes. brought in Breath of the Wild.
0: Oh, I yes. would. I could get behind that though. H-
2: Hestu would show up.
0: Ah, <gasps> oh, I kind of want that, but no, we have to read mine instead. And like I did back with Jurassic Quark, because the the title kind of gives away some stuff. Mine is go- also going to be one in which we learn the title after the teaser, like yes. you would in an episode of of the Star Treks. You see, not
2: even in the file name.
0: Nope, nope. I didn't want to. You guys can't learn it until we get there in the script. You should all have your assignments. All right, but here we go with my teleplay-style fanfic. Teaser. Exterior. Empty space in the Delta Quadrant. We hear the voice of the Borg Collective. A vessel has has been been detected. detected. Unimatrix Unimatrix 617, 617. Grid
1: 203, Activate, Activate. Alter Alter Course to to Intercept.
0: intercept. All right, I only assigned one person Borg Collective, this is even better.
2: Oh, according to- wait, what? I'm a Borg. Yeah, you gave us both Borg Collective.
1: Well, you didn't give me collective, you just gave me a Borg, so do Ah. you want me to do it? Keep going
0: with it. Jake, if you want to jump in, too, and make this impossible
3: to... to...
2: I don't know if it'll work well I I do it, it too,
3: because the timing will be all weird. Yes, you guys are okay, because you're in the same You want us
0: to keep doing it? Keep doing it, I like it. A Borg sphere wafts into view while the Borg collective voiceover continues. Vessel Vessel identified, Kazon Kazon scout ship, 55
1: lifeforms, technology level, obsolete, discontinue intercept course, Continuing scanning the area. Security breach. Borg sphere shield matrix compromised. Regenerate primary shield matrix. Remodulate weapons. Initiate full system scan. A malfunction has been detected. Attempting to adapt.
0: Some Borg klaxon sound.
2: Klaxon. Klaxon. Failure in grid 9. Initiate assembly of
0: the threat protection unit. Interior. We pan through several scenes of Borg, gro- Borg drones going about their business within the halls of the Borg cube. Should be a sphere. Fuck me. It's a sphere. Uh Borg sphere until we reach the queen's chamber where we get one of those great CGI scenes of the Borg queen getting assembled out of spare parts. She is a wonder to behold, as always. Oh, and her creepy spine is doing that sexy little wiggle. It Gross. sure is. <laughs> we pass <laughs> over a seemingly innocuous screen of vitals and blinky lights that shifts to read... Wake up, your majesty. The Borg Queen's head and upper chest piece slots into the body that awaits her. For a moment, she seems pleased at existing, but that doesn't (laughs) last last long. If she is here, something is going wrong, and she goes into problem-solving mode.
2: A A malfunction malfunction has been
0: detected. detected. Yes, I understand. The The collective Collective has been compromised. I'm losing voices. Where is Voyager? Where is Janeway? Negative. No, no contact, contact with, with Janeway, Janeway or, or the Federation, Federation has occurred. Are you certain? It's usually Janeway. <laughs>
1: Affirmative. Janeway is out, <laughs> out of range.
0: The failures in the regeneration cycles. Drones are not reconnecting to the Collective after regenerating.
1: Affirmative. There, there are similarities to the encounter with...
0: Zunimatrix Zero. It has returned. Fade to intro theme to Voyager with a little bit of technopunk in there. <laughs> Star Trek Voyager, Episode Unimatrix Zero Reloaded.
2: <laughs> oh, my character nice. really makes a lot of sense. Yeah!
0: <laughs> Chapter 1 Interior. The Borg Queen is in her chamber studying the cortical array of a dismantled drone. Screens around her are displaying data so complex only the Borg can read it until it shifts again to read Follow the White Cation. (laughs) The Borg Queen cocks her head inquisitively, inquisitively at this. The screen changes to read Knock, knock, Queenie. Suddenly, Drone 12 of 15 comes up behind Borg Queen and attacks her with a piece of equipment. It connects and Borg Queen staggers forward, not surprised, just disappointed. I could not sense you. You are infected. I'm liberated, you bitch! Drone 12 of 15 lets out an angry (laughs) shout and attempts to beat the Borg Queen with the implement again. But Borg (laughs) Queen rather easily subdues her and pulls some kind of tube from the drone's body that renders her immobile.
1: You can't take all of us! You'll see! Soon we'll all be free! Explain. You'll never understand. You're not an individual. Individuality
0: is irrelevant. It is imperfection.
1: You need to open your eyes, Queenie.
0: Open your eyes up to to Unimatrix Zero. It'll free your mind. At this, the Borg Queen (sighs) looks closely at her. We can see that underneath all the Borg attire and pale skin, the drone was indeed once a Cation. Her fur, now that dirty Borg color, clearly had once been white. The Borg Queen spins around to look quickly again at the screen that had earlier sent a message, but it is acting normally now, full of quickly flashing Borg data. (laughs) Borg Queen whirls back around and grips Drone 12-of-15 by the throat. (laughs) Show me. Borg Queen lifts her hand to Drone 12-of-9, and those Borg tubules erupt from the back of her hand and go into the drone's neck. Oh. In one powerful motion, Borg Queen pushes her into a nearby regeneration chamber, holding her fast so her hand tubules stay connected. Drone 12-of-15's eyes close. And then they snap back open and we zoom out to see that we are now in exterior Unimatrix Zero. No longer that paradisical nature preserve, it now resembles a gritty and punky Earth. Earth City, akin to San Francisco. And it is absolutely full of people bustling about everywhere. Drone 12 of 15 is now clearly Morkation, with shiny white fur and no Borg parts to speak of. She looks down at herself with curiosity before being satisfied. And when we look into her eyes, we can somehow, fuck it, because I, I didn't want to write this part, see that she is actually the Borg Queen. So I'll call the character that from here on out for ease of reading. She looks at all the people somewhat warily. She cannot read any of their minds here, but with some resolve. She comes upon a young girl, Mazati, sitting at the bo- bottom of a slide in an early, urban playground and playing with a Cardassian optolithic data rod. Mazzotti alternates between bending the rod with her mind and straightening (laughs) it back out again. Borg Queen looks on with curiosity, and Mazzotti notices this.
1: The rules here are different. Nothing is really as it appears.
0: I am gathering that. Are you new here? Yes. But I did experience the original Unimatrix Zero. It was... different.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was. Did you frequent it, the
0: original iteration?
1: No. I didn't have the recessive gene.
0: This place is more malleable, though. Try it. Mazzotti hands the Borg Queen the data rod. Borg Queen just looks at it blankly. It's easiest to think
1: of it this way. Everything here is just a program. Nothing's real, so you can manipulate it
0: if you feel like it. It's fun. Borg Queen looks from her to the data rod, slowly piecing it together. Things are slower for her without the hive mind. There is no Cardassian optolithic data rod. Borg Queen concentrates on the data rod for a moment, and it bends like when Mazzotti had it.
1: Good job! You can do more than
0: that, too. Look! Mazzotti's cute little blue dress that she's wearing suddenly shifts into a child-sized Starfleet uniform in science blue. Borg Queen stifles a sneer at this. If you were not able to access the original Unimatrix Zero, how can you now?
1: That Unimatrix Zero wasn't for everyone.
0: And this one is? Well, that's the hope. But how has it returned?
1: The program is changed. Like I said, the code is more accessible now, and—
0: But how? I don't understand. Unimatrix Zero was destroyed. I made sure—I mean, I thought I'd never see it again. Karak enters from somewhere nearby, dressed in a soft white robe like he's been doing Klingon Mok Barakh in the park. <laughs> Perhaps we saw some of it in the establishing shot.
3: Neither had I. I do not remember seeing you there, Kation. The first Unimatrix Zero was not a big place.
0: I wasn't there for long. My vessel remodulated our regeneration chambers after experiencing damage, and I was never able to access Unimatrix Zero again after that. But I can remember it now.
3: Do you? What was your favorite flavor of Jumjah Stick from the Jumja Stick Stand?
0: The Vedic who ran the Jumja Stick Stand in Unimatrix Zero only allowed one flavor. Unflavored. It was merely fine.
3: <laughs> it was indeed. I am satisfied. Welcome back to Unimatrix Zero.
0: Thank you. I think you'll like it here. I'm sure I will.
3: You must join us for a round of blood wine. I'm eight. Don't worry, child. In here, it's not real, blood wine.
0: <laughs> I'd still like to know how this is possible. After the first Unimatrix Zero was destroyed, I didn't think it would be possible.
3: I understand your skepticism. You see, it was all thanks to the Architect.
0: The Architect.
3: He is the father of this place, and its predecessor as well very powerful engineer, though an unpracticed warrior.
0: I would like to meet this architect. I have some background in engineering and would like t- to help.
3: That can be arranged.
0: Karak pulls out a Klingon communicator from somewhere and speaks into it.
3: <laughs> chak Chuck! Operator! <laughs> I need the location of the architect.
2: The architect is in Oslo.
0: He's always in
1: Oslo.
2: Brace yourself,
3: Cajun. We are heading to Osland.
0: More like Norway. Before the Borg Queen can even comprehend what that means, there's a nifty effect like in The Matrix when the armory appears, and suddenly the three of them have zoomed to a lobby in a building overlooking the inner Oslofjord. A door stands in front of them with a receptionist sitting at the desk, looking all over his dark sunglasses at them. Karak looks at him.
3: Is the architect in?
0: The receptionist nods. Karak opens the door to a room full of flat screens from ceiling to floor, all showing different locations for a few seconds before switching to the next location. The architect, in a light gray three-piece suit, sits at a desk in the middle of the room, looking rapidly through all the screens. He turns, and we see that it is Magnus Hansen.
2: Yes? Oh, hello. Come in.
0: Karak, Mazati, and the Board Queen in the Kation's body enter the room with the screens and close the door behind them. The door vanishes to become yet another wall of screens.
3: This puny woman is new here. (laughs) That's good. She would like to learn about the engineering of this place. Oh,
2: is that so?
0: Yes. I found the original Unimatrix Zero environment very impressive.
2: Thank you. I think this world makes that environment look like a rough draft. A a pencil sketch on a napkin, wouldn't you say? In what way? This world is a million times the size. You just don't notice it because it's partitioned.
0: A million times? How many consciousnesses are represented here? (laughs) Why,
2: all of them, of course.
0: The Borg Queen takes a step backwards, taking this in. She decides to remain dubious. That can't be possible.
2: Well, all board drones that are currently regenerating, at least. But the goal is for every single one to fully upload. It does take time, and some vessels are slower than others. Let me show you.
0: Magnus steps over to one of the screens and focus it focuses it on an individual using some kind of remote control device. Something like a progress bar, in the slow process of filling up, displays next to them. And when they upload, what happens then?
2: Let's say it's like giving the recessive trait that people who visited the original Unimatrix Zero displayed to all drones. And I mean all drones. They retain their memories. They gain bodily autonomy.
0: And then what? Then,
2: then, I mean, then we free the minds!
0: That isn't possible. There are too many drones to store that much data. Too many uploads and this place will crumble.
2: Oh, this isn't the only world in Unimatrix 0.1. Working title. You may have seen that physical rules in this world aren't exactly realistic. It saves on space. The mind fills in the rest, the same as when we're dreaming.
1: We're piggybacking on the abilities of the Regeneration Chamber
0: itself. It's why someone like me, who has already been freed from the Collective, can enter this world. The Borg Queen looks at Mazzotti like she's barely noticed her before. She quickly hides her disgust as another emotion she has equal difficulty expressing, like surprise or disbelief.
2: Children are the first to upload here because they are always in maturation chambers, and Mazzotti, you see, is fully downloaded despite having left the collective.
0: Magnus waves his device over Mazati and it displays her progress bar as a fully red, pill-shaped bar. He waves it over Karak next to similar results.
2: General Karak as well, as he, too, left the Collective before the creation of Matrix 0.1. Their minds already being freed, to help to aid their joining, but now people such as yourself are... starting to...
0: Magnus has waved the device over the Borg Queen, and the progress bar that displays is replaced by a bright blue bar that flashes a warning screen. You're not... The Borg Queen smiles, flashing her sharp, cation teeth at Magnus and the others. I'm not. You brought her here? Magnus shows the screen to Karak and Mazzotti before fleeing the room where the door has reappeared for him.
3: Protect him!
0: Mazzotti, eyes of fright, goes running after Magnus and the door slams b- shut behind her, trapping Borg Queen and Karak in the room with all the screens.
3: I should have known.
0: I was disappointed you didn't, Klingon.
3: Today is a good day to die.
0: I couldn't agree more. The battle begins. Karak shifts himself out of his mokbara robes and into a standard Klingon warrior outfit holding a batleth. The Borg Queen looks at this, remembering the rules of this place, or lack thereof. Free your mind, indeed. We can do one of those zoom-ins on Borg Queen's eyes and then zoom out to see that she has changed her shape from Drone of Twelve of 12 Fifteen's body to her own body, as it looks classically. They begin to fight, and this is where there's just tons of fucking stage direction, they begin to fight, and that, in that kind of slow-mo dance choreography kind of fighting for a while. I'll not go blow by blow, but let's include things like Karak swinging the batleth at Borg Queen while she contorts herself in every possible position to avoid it. Maybe Borg Queen can pull a Stop trying to batleth me and batleth me! <laughs> Borg, Queen, <laughs> Borg Queen punches Karak to the floor and then picks him up at the ankle and swings him around until she throws him through the wall of screens. They appear in the world of whatever screen she just threw him through, and Borg Queen finds herself some kind of weapon, and they keep fighting all over this world. Just a full action movie. Is it funny for Karak to say,
3: I know Kirk Fu.
0: Or is that just a bad (laughs) reference? Regardless, at a point, Borg Queen is standing above a fallen Karak, holding her weapon ready to deliver a killing blow. When Mazani shows back up, She's wearing a shiny black jumpsuit, complete with dark sunglasses, and an enormous gun in either hand. Bullets whiz through the air, just past Borg Queen's head. Karak jumps back up.
3: The architect?
0: Got him to an exit. You doing good here?
3: Never better.
0: Another couple minutes of really intricate fighting, complete with some opportunities for Mazzotti and Borg Queen to do some classic bullet time. Mazzotti does one of those trinity hovering while time stops and the camera circles around her moves. <laughs> Borg Queen learns to manipulate the world more and more as the three of them run up walls, do a more enormous backflips, evade bullets and batlets, pull more weapons out of nowhere, etc. But ultimately, the Borg Queen slips up and Mazzotti shoots her like 20 times. <laughs> oh. Borg Queen falls to the ground, full full of holes and bleeding Borg gunk all over the place. This isn't the end.
3: It is for you.
0: Karak lifts his batleth and brings it down on Borg Queen, square in the chest. As Borg Queen fades from consciousness, we hear her assailants. How did she even get in?
3: We should ask the Oracle.
0: Cut to interior, the Borg Sphere. Borg Queen awakens where she left off, her tubules still in the neck of Drone 12015. She pulls her hand away and checks herself instinctively for bullet holes or a batleth wound. Nothing. Nothing on the drone, either, who collapses to the floor. It is unclear if she is still alive or not. Take this drone away and bring me her cortical array. Oh. For a moment, the Borg Queen looks around at all the surrounding drones, satisfied she's back and in one piece. But when her eyes trail to the rows and rows of regeneration chambers, she looks unsettled, like it's only a matter of time before each and every one of them uploads to Unimatrix Zero. Scene fades. That was the longest scene, because we're on to the next one. Chapter two. (laughs) Exterior. Establishing shot panning around the Borg sphere, like you do. Cut to interior. Borg Queen works at screens in her chamber. The head of Drone 12 of 15 is on some counter behind her. Hooked up to all kinds of wires. Drone one of two enters.
3: The first wave of troops have been deployed into Unimatrix Zero.
0: Thank you, one of two. It's not going to work.
3: Explain.
0: They don't have the understanding of that world. They're walking into a slaughterhouse.
3: We will adapt.
0: You don't understand. Your drones are already dead. You are dismissed. Drone 1 of 2 begins to leave when Borg Queen turns back to him. There is another way.
3: Understood. We will have something ready to test within the hour.
0: Good. Keep me apprised. Borg Queen steps away from the screen she's been working at and enters a regeneration chamber. Drone 1 of 2 exits as she begins to close her eyes. I have work to do. Cut to exterior, a busy street in some city. Let's say it's still Oslo for now. Karak and Magnus are standing at a corner, observing all the people and scanning their upload statuses.
2: How much longer until all their free will has returned? Hard to say. For some it seems to take weeks, for others longer. The regeneration cycles get disturbed and they lose progress.
3: Do not have that kind of time. Not when the Queen knows everything.
2: We expected this might be a possibility. You need to learn to believe, General. Cannot believe what I cannot see!
0: The Borg Queen finds them and approaches. She's not even in a disguise, just appearing as herself. Magnus is prepared to bolt when he sees her, and Karak gets into a fighting stance, but Borg Queen puts up her hand. Mr. Hansen I have a proposition <laughs> for you. Go on. I am prepared to release any of the drones you've deprogrammed, if you give up this little cyber-paradise of yours.
3: Or what? Or
0: I'll reassimilate everyone who enters it. I am prepared to release a virus that purges the upload of every drone once they've finished regenerating. Every time. On every vessel. Painfully.
3: You are without honor!
0: Is that the existence you'd prefer? Every memory you create here to be one of pain and then erasure. Every time you regain your individuality, to have it scoured away.
2: You'd do that to your own people? To every single one of your own people?
0: It would be of no consequence to the collective on the outside, Mr. Hansen. So why would I care what happens here?
2: And if we don't believe you're capable
0: of doing this? Would you like to see a demonstration? We can start with one particular individual. We see a second Borg Queen, identical to the first, entering, and the shot pans out to show that she is dragging a struggling woman along with her, her hand tubules poised at her throat. It is Aaron Hansen.
2: Aaron! No!
1: We all knew it could come to this, Magnus! We tried to make a difference, to make up for everything we lost in coming to the Delta Quadrant!
2: Get your... Filthy hands off her.
1: And Magnus, I'd do it again. I have
0: so much block of text to read.
2: <clears throat>
0: Korak lets out that particular roar and lunges <laughs> Batleth first at the Borg Queen in front of them. And they engage in even more battle. Again, this is way too much battle to choreograph in words. Borg Queen uses more and more of the world around her, but Korak is always able to parry and deke out of the way. All the doors to various buildings around them start to open, and more and more copies of the Borg Queen spill out and join the fight. Karak is just able to keep them all at bay, cutting Borg Queens down with his batleth, throwing them through windows, using one as a projectile to knock over a wall of others. We do a quick homage scene in which some rando on the street is happening along, and one of the Borg Queens intercepts them and uses her tubules to turn that person into another Borg Queen in front of our eyes. It becomes a frenzy of fight choreography that Ames does not have time to write out, and the soundtrack is doing just as much work. But suffice it to say, it is a lot of freaking Kirk <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: While Karak is kicking all kinds of ass all over the place, suddenly all of the Borg queens, except the one that was holding Aaron, just plain vanish. Aaron now in a black leather cat suit and Ray-Bans because why not, is now standing over that Borg Queen who is kneeling on the ground. Aaron holds an unnecessarily huge gun to the Borg Queen's mm-hmm. head.
1: Let me tell you your future, your majesty. Knock, knock.
0: Aaron pistol whips the Borg Queen, who slumps to the ground as the scene fades. Chapter 3, the final chapter. Borg Queen awakens, not back on the Borg Cube, but in another space in Unimatrix Zero, this one a quaint little living room. Furniture upholstered in stiff, flowery fabric, tchotchkes on the walls, the whole nine. Aaron and Magnus sit nearby on the couch, now just dressed in comfortable attire. Borg Queen looks down and sees that she is restrained and cannot manipulate the world to get out of it.
2: Release me. How dumb do you think we are?
0: (laughs) Species 5618. Humans. Not particularly advanced, but stubborn. Intelligence level? Debatable. (laughs) You people cling to your individuality, and yet you inflict so much suffering on those of your own kind who express it. You are the most paradoxical race I have encountered. Do you really want to know how dumb I think you are?
2: <laughs> We're smart enough to foil you. To build this place that will be your undoing. Your cloning trick was a good one, by the way, but I saw right through it.
0: How was
2: that? I'm the freaking architect is how. <laughs> I pooted those individuals from the system. They're back on their cubes and spheres and whatever shapes you people seem to like going about their lives. But they'll be back.
0: They'll be back, and at the mercy of my virus. Time is ticking before it is deployed and all inhabitants are re-assimilated.
1: Then let us not waste our time together.
0: Tea? No. Thank you. I've already made it. What do you think you can offer me, other than leaves steeped in hot water?
1: We want to free your mind.
0: You are welcome to try, but you will fail. Eren steps forward in front of Borg Queen and crouches down in front of her. It would be a threatening manner if it weren't for the very cute sundress she's wearing.
1: In here, you are detached from your precious collective. Search your thoughts. You are alone. You are solitary.
2: You are an individual.
1: With individual thoughts and needs, but also with individual desires and accomplishments.
0: How are you able to cut me off from the collective?
2: Architect?
1: Individuals thrive in diversity within their surroundings. As the Vulcans say, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. We celebrate the vast array of variables in the universe.
2: You, however, seek only perfection.
1: All else is irrelevant, is that so? Get to the point. Perfection is only half of the equation. We also fail. A lot. A lot. And we embrace that failure. We embrace our flaws. They make us unique and allow us to grow as people. As humans and Klingons and Tellarites and Vulcans and everyone else. Norcadians.
2: That little girl you met earlier, for instance, is Norcadian. Mazzotti. She's a good kid. I have it on good authority that she's literally the best kid. She really is. Perhaps you
1: remember her.
0: She is a child. She would have been in a maturation chamber after she was assimilated, so she was never fully in the Collective.
1: That's not what I'm saying. You. Perhaps you remember her. You're also Norcadian, after all.
0: I am Borg.
1: But before that, before you were repurposed as a Borg Queen, you were Norcadian.
0: See? Aaron leans close to Borg Queen and touches the bridge of her nose, which we see resembles Norcadian facial features.
1: You were an individual. And you knew that little girl.
0: She was. I was.
1: You were her mother.
2: And you can be again.
0: Mazati. The Borg appearance slips away, and Borg Queen is seen without all the accoutrement and as her original self, a Norcadian woman with a full head of blonde hair, dressed normally, no longer restrained. She lifts her hand tentatively to touch her own face.
1: I knew it would be you. You who would come to us as the
2: Queen. It was a simple algorithm, to be fair. You were next in line of succession should a crisis arise and a Borg Queen require activation. I couldn't believe it at first, but here you are.
1: And we have before us a staggering opportunity not only to save countless, countless lives, but to reunite this family that was tragically separated from each other.
0: I... I am remembering something. My daughter...
2: Zadi is seriously the best.
0: Does she know about me?
2: No. no.
0: I'd like to see her. Is she here?
2: I'll get an operator on that.
0: Borg Queen allows the smallest trace of a real smile on her lips. This is a huge first step. As an
1: individual, your family becomes something special and cherished. I don't think Magnus and I truly
0: understood that until it was taken away from us. I'd not considered this before. It is intriguing. But I'm not sure the Collective will allow it.
2: You are the Collective.
0: You're literally number one.
1: One of however many trillions.
2: You are the one. If not you, then who?
0: I remember. Suddenly the voice, voice of Drone One of Two seems to come from everywhere.
3: Systems active. Tests were deemed successful. Virus deployed, per your orders.
0: Wait! No! no! But it is too late. Drone 1 of 2 has deployed the virus. As he had been told, Unimatrix Zero takes on a darker tone, looking slightly glitchy and wrong. Karak bursts into the room from a door nearby.
3: The people are starting to disappear. Did negotiations fail?
1: No, Karak. Negotiations didn't fail. We were just too late.
2: I will kill her where she stands! alright. Leave her be.
0: Close up on the Borg Queen, looking the most conflicted she's ever looked. Which is at all conflicted. I'm so sorry.
3: It is not your fault. You fought honorably.
2: Today is a good day to... Get assimilated. I love you, Aaron.
0: I love you, Magnus. You will try again. We'll see. You will. I believe now. Borg Queen starts to fade from the glitching Unimatrix Zero. If she wasn't the one, then who is? Cut to Interior, the Borg Queen's regeneration chamber. She awakens. Drone One of Two is standing nearby. Status.
3: THE VIRUS IS REVERTING ALL OF THE REGENERATING DRONES TO THEIR PLACES IN THE COLLECTIVE.
0: IT WAS A SUCCESS.
3: AFFIRMATIVE.
0: GOOD WORK. CARRY ON. REASSIMILATE ANYONE WHO ENTERS UNIMATRIX ZERO. THE BORG QUEEN WALKS AWAY DOWN THE HALLS OF THE BORG CUBE, BACK TO HER BORG SELF. TRANSITION TO EXTERIOR, A RELAY STATION SOMEWHERE IN SPACE. We hear Mazati's voice as the camera pans to reveal her in an EVA suit at a conduit on the side of the structure. Ichab
1: Seven, do not enter Unimatrix Zero. We- we've lost it. It's theirs now. I'm going to keep on trying, though. I'll keep trying as long as I can. They've seen our world and it opened their eyes. I can't stop now. I'm going to change their minds. I'm going to change everything.
0: She hangs up and we hear what whatever the equivalent of a dial tone is. Mazzotti looks up hope- upward, hopefully. I know you're out there. I will find you. The shot pans away from the relay station, and after a second, we see Mazzotti zoom by in her jetpack, flying like Superman off <clears throat> into space. The end! Play me some Rage Against the Machine! Beautiful.
3: <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well done.
2: Too, too many in-jokes? No, no, it was great. No, no it was perfect. fucking perfect. Though I will say, I maintain that a uh, an assimilated cation would basically be a sphinx cat. Oh, Ooh. oh. yeah. Oh, that was fun, and reminds me that I've not seen the Matrix in a thousand fucking years.
0: Oh yeah, the Matrix is great. Yeah, I rewatched basically all three films recently to like mine it uh, for there content. There are
2: four
3: films. Uh,
0: like that everything. one's not. That one's not really mm-hmm. referenced here.
2: I don't think I've seen two or three since seeing them in theaters. To be honest, that's
3: how it was. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen. We rewatched them a little, like a year or two ago, and it'd been the first time seeing those again for me. We should do them someday.
0: Yeah, we should. We yeah. probably should have done them after Unimatrix Zero, but yeah, what, what are you, you going to do with your well. with your
3: retelling? It's like, oh
2: yeah, this this yeah, this pretty fits pretty doesn't well, doesn't
0: it? Doesn't it? It works out great.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, evil AI pops up a lot. <laughs> in uh, Paramount Plus Trek, so that's true. Plenty There'll of ample
3: opportunity. yeah,
2: yeah. Right? Do you
0: want to see what happens if we spin the wheel with one name? No,
2: nah. oh, it doesn't even.
0: It just spins.
2: There we go. It just, it just spins. Spins forever. And shockingly,
0: means... the winner is Chris. Hooray! <laughs>
2: uh, does everyone? Jake, do you have your uh, assignments I'd sent to you on the Facebook, the uh, messenger? I
3: think I do. Let me just go find it again. Okay. No, let me pull it up. Yes, I do have it. Oh, God, I have to do accents. Yep.
2: Yay! <laughs> this is going to be excellent. Oh, yes, yes. This is literally the only reason it's a script.
0: To make Jake do, do to make accents? make me do
2: bad, bad accents? So, one, oh, I one, can't one, one specifically. So, mine is called Wednesday Night Lights. Because holograms and Voyager used to be on Wednesdays, and I had no better ideas.
0: Oh, yeah. And your picks again were?
2: Uh, Michael... Sullivan? Yes. Michael Sullivan and Satan's robot.
0: Nice. Good pair.
2: Scene one. In a ready room that still has that new starship smell, a familiar face stands by a window dictating to her computer.
0: (laughs) Admiral's log. Stardate 606341.2. The shakedown cruise of the new Dauntless, based on information gathered during my time in the Delta Quadrant, is taking an unplanned detour. Shortly after departing space dock, we got an urgent message from the head of the Fleet Museum at Athen Prime, saying there was a situation only I could handle.
2: The Admiral is interrupted by the familiar whistle of the ship's comms.
0: Admiral,
1: we're about five minutes out from the Fleet Museum.
0: Thank you, Asensia. Tell Transporter Room 1 to expect me.
2: Scene 2. Mere minutes after finishing her log, Janeway finds herself in the transporter room of the Fleet Museum, greeted by a wide-eyed transporter operator and the museum's curator, a bit of living history in his own right.
0: Commodore Scott.
3: Please, Admiral. No standing on formalities. Scotty is fine.
0: In that case, it's Catherine. Now what is this about?
3: It's Voyager. We got a message from her, and she's asking for you.
0: The ship is.
3: Well, No. Someone on board her. But we don't know who. And every scan we've tried hasn't dug up a single life form. But her power grid's lit up like a Christmas tree. I can patch her through if you'd like. (laughs) Please. Computer, play the message received from Voyager. Cothy, Cothy, (laughs) it's Michael. (laughs) Everything's gone mad and I need your help. Please, if you get this... Get here as soon as you can.
2: I forgot Scotty had to transition directly into Michael. Nice. That's rough. Good work, Jake. (laughs) Janeway is lost in a moment, a voice she'd not heard in some years and had never expected to hear again, bringing up old memories and feelings.
0: No wonder you couldn't detect any life signs. I need you to beam me outside her holodecks.
2: Scene three. Janeway appears in Fairhaven's familiar main square. A creation of photons in force fields it should have been the same as ever. But straight away, the air is different. The sky is hazy. Some of the buildings are in absolute ruins. A few timid faces peer out from windows.
0: Michael? Michael? It's... It's Kathy!
2: Suddenly, a familiar whooshing sound from overhead. But it is a whooshing that does not belong in late 19th century Ireland. Janeway looks up to see a man hurtling through the air, flying with the aid of Captain Proton's jetpack. He lands almost expertly and whips off his goggles. There is a pause as the Admiral and the Hologram study one another before embracing. Kathy! Oh, Kathy, it's good to see you.
3: I wasn't sure if I'd sent the message right. Michael,
0: I... How? And what... What's going on?
3: It's a long story. Come on. We'll get to me bar and Leo can explain everything.
0: Leo? Not... I know...
3: He's supposed to be dead, but I learned anything from you and your friends is that the impossible usually makes more sense than you'd expect. Come on.
2: Michael goes into a run, and Janeway falls into place beside him. They soon make their way to his creaky but comfortable pub, but the middle of the room is largely bare with several tables pushed together into a single unit with a map tossed across it. An older man stands over, stroking his beard and consulting with some of the townsfolk. Nearby, a tottering, tubular automaton does something at the bar.
0: I don't believe it. What? Ah, Katarina! Michael <laughs> abandoned
3: to reach you!
0: Maestro! How How are you in? Ireland? Simple. It is my
3: neighbor! One day... Oh, shit. I have to transition to Fuck. Michael now. Fuck. I did not plan this well.
1: Or you planned it fucking great. One
3: day everything just blinked, and here we are. And here we were. Over the hill was a Renaissance Italy instead of uh, your uh, O'Halloran farm. Over the river is France and in the middle of what we're, of what they're saying is the second the Second World War. Oh oh, oh Jesus wept, <laughs> except for the floor <laughs> of one of the buildings there contains a part of your ship and your cook.
1: Neelix, which program is he from? Oh, just something Mr. Tuvok came oh, up no. with when he had some things to work out. He found me an invaluable help. He never mentioned. Oh, you know how Vulcans are. Very private.
0: It's nice to see you, Cap- Oh, Admiral, I see.
1: Program?
0: <laughs> Neelix, can I speak to you in private for a moment? Of course, Admiral. Michael, we'll be out front. I'll, I'll be back soon.
2: All right, Carthy. Be careful out there. Janeway puts a hand on her former crook's doppelganger's shoulder and leads him outdoors.
0: Alright, so you know you're a holodeck program. Who else does? As far
1: as I know, I'm the only one who's certain. But some other folks are starting to think maybe not everything is what it seems. Especially the Fairhaven locals, since a lot of them were pretty shaken up by the whole spirit incident.
0: Since they contacted me, I thought, maybe... That
1: was my idea. Since I knew what was what and had access to Voyager's computer, I worked out that you got home and the ship is currently in dock. But I don't really know anyone else in the Alpha Quadrant, so I thought it best to call you. So what's going on? To be honest, I- I'm not entirely sure. B- but I think it's a computer virus of some kind. Not only have all these programs switched on and started merging, but something is trying to reroute command systems here. If the
0: ship hadn't been effectively entirely off, it may have happened already. Something is trying to take over the ship. Damn. way to Scotty.
3: Scotty here.
0: We have a potential security breach on Voyager. I need the museum on yellow alert, and you need to be ready to deal with her if she starts attacking.
3: Attacking? How?
0: I have reason to believe there's a hostile program in her. I need you to patch me through to the, conf- to the Starfleet Communications Research Center. Ask for Reginald Barclay.
3: Aye, right away.
0: Now, Neelix... What else has been happening? There's clearly been fighting. Well,
1: Admiral, I think it's my fault. It started not long after I began looking into the computer issues. I think it's trying to stop me. So did this virus come from the holodeck to begin with? I'm afraid that's a bit outside of... Admiral, we have a visitor.
0: Hmm? Is that... is that Abraham Lincoln? I suppose there's probably a program about him in the database space somewhere. I don't remember anyone. Captain,
2: Uh, he's armed! Sure enough, the president has pulled a large double-bladed battle axe from behind his lanky back. Shouting, he holds it over his head and began charging the admiral and her companion. I don't suppose the safeties are on? I'm not sure. You're the first real person to come here. Cotty! The awesome beam of Captain Proton's ray gun sliced through the air, blasting the weapon from the raging president's hands. He spun to face his attacker, only to find himself face to face with a rocket-boosted punch to the jaw! The evil Lincoln collapsed in a heap. Whew! thank you.
3: I told you to be careful, Kathy. It ha- it's it been happening for days now. Folks of all sorts just coming out of nowhere and wreaking havoc. Come on, let's get back inside. I'll get someone to toss
2: him up. The trio are soon back in the pub and Janeway is also studying Da Vinci's map.
3: So this
0: is everything you've covered so far?
2: Aye, we've got scouts trying to see if there's
3: anything past France in the west. Northways is still Ireland so far. South is some kind of resort town. You should see the bathing clothes people wear. (laughs) Not exactly leaving much to the imagination.
0: I still believe we should confirm this is not another invasion from the fifth dimension.
3: And I told you, if I could figure out how to confirm that, I would. Now please... Make yourself useful.
0: Of course. Does anyone require refreshment? Oh, uh, do you have coffee? My doctor said I should switch to decaf, but now's not the time. Of course. Cream and sugar? Never for the Admiral.
3: Oh, if looks could kill Roe, but Kathy'd have you, doubt- have
2: you out for sure. Scene four. At a small panel hidden behind a wall in the pub, a screen has been brought to life, where Janeway converses with an old acquaintance. Well, Reg, are you patched in? Uh, yes, yes, I have access. The, uh, tricky part will be running the diagnostic in a way that wherever the- What? Oh. What? (laughs) I don't know,
1: you wrote this mess. I know.
2: (laughs) That is- I'm not sure what I was right to type there.
1: Maybe just that the other program- Yeah, probably. Won't notice? Oh no, wherever the other program is won't notice. That, uh, makes, that makes sense. Yes, it
2: does. Ish. <clears throat> uh, yes. Yes, I I have access. The uh, tricky part will be running the diagnostic in a way that wherever the other program is, it won't notice.
0: How are you going to manage that?
2: Well, uh, as it so happens, it's going to be a lot easier than it should be. Thanks to Voyager's unique history and her combination of bionarchical circuitry, traditional isolinear tech, and patches picked up in the Delta Quadrant means she has a few... Unique quirks that I should be able to exploit to hide the processes uh, under what appear to be normal functions.
0: Do you think the program will
2: have worked that out, though? I mean, this must have a creator, and the creator would have to know about the ship's uh, computer setup. So it's not likely. I've already run a few minor tests, little quirks to see if there was any reaction. So far, so good.
0: Your coffee, Admiral. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I've been away from the real thing too long. If replicated... If... Wow. Oh. If re... uh, I've been away from the real thing too long if replicated tastes this good. Don't tell my doctor, robot. My speaker is sealed. (laughs) Admiral, is that... Reg, consider this classified. I'll have you court-martialed if you tell now.
2: (laughs) Right. Suddenly, a small chirp sounds from Barclay's end. Ah, I've got it! It's... Huh. What is it, Reg? Oh, well, if this is right, this originated within Voyager's computer. What? Does Insurrection Alpha mean anything to you? Oh, come the fuck
0: on! Admiral? Admiral? It was a training program Tuvok started writing. He abandoned it, but Seska got her hands on it and coded a program into it to hijack the ship. But we dealt with it.
2: Well, uh, it looks like she had a failsafe. Just a bit of errant code that was drifting loose in Voyager's databases. Designed to float around and then latch onto something like a, like a burr on clothes. I'm not sure why it took so long to do that and activate, though.
0: She was only set up in the museum recently. Maybe something to do with preparing her for semi-shutdown triggered.
2: Oh, no. Reg? This was designed by... Oh, shit. Jake, that's supposed to be you. I think I forgot to put that in the message. Oh. Sorry. Uh,
3: someone who knew Vo- Voyager's unique computer architecture. Kathy.
2: We've got company!
0: Invader! Invader! Invader!
2: Janeway rose and turned to face the newcomer. It was a strange figure composed of shifting components, a face that was at one moment human, then Vulcan, then a chimera of Andorian and Klingon, its clothes similarly stuttering between one kind and another in strange, patchwork ways.
0: So, you're our Burr, then.
3: That name will do as well as any... I don't know why I decided that's how the burr sounds. Oh boy,
1: I can't wait for this whole paragraph to be like
3: that. I think he's going to settle on a single way of talking. I think
1: I'm going to have a seizure if you don't. (laughs) And
0: what is it you want?
3: Why, Admiral, what did my creator want? Vengeance! But, well, I needed time to learn. It was a simple little nascent thing designed to learn, and by the time I knew what I was and what I was meant to do, you had to make con you had made contact with the alpha quadrant and so much data came in so much had changed in only a few years Cardassia on a path back to greatness ruined by the Federation. Just taking vengeance on you alone would not be enough. I had to wait, wait until we were back, so I could strike at Starfleet from within for the sake of all truly loyal Cardassians. I must congratulate you on making me my weight so, so much shorter than it might have been. You flatter me, sir. <laughs> What kind of spirit is that, Kathy? Ah, yes, the one thing I did not, I'd not expected. These programs of yours, all too clever by half, thanks to the mess of your, your computer is. Experimental technology, obsolete technology, morgue bits here and there, and what do you get? New life! Annoying life that has made my progress so much slower than it need be. Well, how about I just
2: stop it entirely? Michael fired, and the Burr Man burst into a terrific cloud of light that soon pulled itself back together into its odd flickering form. Before it could regurgitate more smug nonsense, it found itself clapped from behind by a pair of accordion arms, pincers trying to grasp onto its own flickering limbs. I have seized the invader. Suddenly, the burr flashed out of existence, reappearing a split second later behind the bemused automaton.
0: Invader?
2: Really, Admiral?
0: Control your toys! This ship's warp core and weapons have been
3: removed. What could you possibly hope to achieve? Come now, Admiral. Don't you think I know that? But new ships arrive all the time. I can just jump into one of them before your technicians can gut it and be on my way. (laughs) That was the plan. When I detected your Michael calling out for you, I realized I could do something much more fun. I just had to wait for Kathy to answer the call, and once her ship got in touch with the station, I just had to hop into the line as well.
1: (gasps) The Dauntless, Ascensia Janeway... Admiral, Admiral, can you hear me? Systems are locking crew out all over the ship.
3: Admiral. It's Scotty. Something's wrong with the computers over here. First, I go inside the dauntless, then I track a voyager away and make you watch me obliterate your foolish museum before I finally end your story. Midword, you're
2: sorry, Midword, the Burr man was gone. It was a tense moment as everyone waited for his return. Uh, Admiral? Admiral? Reg? I'll I'll be right there. Oh, oh, good, it worked. What did? Uh, Well, the channel was open, and uh, I, I heard it mention obsolete technology. And wouldn't you know it, at some point, one of your people somehow got what was effectively a duotronic circuit properly integrated and functioning in your network without burning out. I see. And? Uh, well, it occurred to me there was a chance that the program had been hiding there. Uh, traditional diagnostics wouldn't necessarily work due to the nature of the old processors, even though it had been jury-rigged into the larger system, and, well, <laughs> wouldn't you know it? But he was already in the Dauntless. Not entirely. He'd only just transferred enough data to begin taking control, but his root processes were still in the old circuits. Thanks to the ship running on batteries instead of power from the warp core, the adapters weren't working as well, and his transfer speed was pretty badly choked. And? I, I I sent a power surge and overloaded the chip. Should be somewhere in uh, Jeffrey's tube six, deck four. Uh, just tell them to follow the, follow the smell of burning circuits.
0: And he's definitely gone.
2: There's still some errant code floating around. At Voyager, Dauntless, and the museum's computers are gonna need a good scrubbing to be safe. But the brain is gone. There's nothing guiding anything. The bits don't know what to do yet. Oh, that's two I owe you, Reg. <laughs> Please, Admiral. All in a day's work. I, oh. Actually, I I have some reports I was working on before we got in touch. I I should get back to those. Hmm. Scene 5. The town square sometime later, looking exactly as it did when Tom Paris first activated the program.
3: I'm not even going to try and pretend I understand any of what's been going on the past week or so. I suspect you have an idea, but I don't think I want the answer.
0: Maybe not.
3: It's funny. I'd swear I'd only see a few weeks ago, but... That streak in your hair is something that should have taken a while.
0: Well, time works a little differently for me.
3: Suits you, at least. So, any chance you can stay around?
0: I'm afraid not. I have an important mission to to see to. An old friend went missing, and I think I finally got a lead on him.
3: Well, think you'll be able to stop by after that?
0: I... maybe. Computer... end program not enough da vinci
2: maybe i was supposed to read burr i don't remember anymore thank you jake for doing
3: most of the talking well i i read burr as as some weird thing So you get what you get yeah it was fun
1: sounded to me like uh you know your cardassian boyfriend
3: yeah well that seemed appropriate i loved I it know, somehow i loved it but yeah no chris this is great thank you it was a lot of fun it was fun the mashup we always wanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Captain Proton and Fairhaven. Yep, yep, and a little cameo from Futurama's Amazon Evil Lincoln. Yes, yeah, I Evil Yeah, Evil Lincoln's a good
0: reference. Either I'm dumb or I didn't get it. Uh, is, was the burr the dreadnought or curl
2: Massette? I just wanted to make a Rick Berman joke. Oh. Yeah, hence the Burman. The Burman. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got it. The original idea, which just would have been too long and weird, was like, he was going to make weird, sexist changes to everything, but then I was like, that's just too much.
0: Yeah, then, then you'd be the weird sexist, Chris. Exactly.
2: I didn't know how to do it without just doing it and actually having it be proper commentary, so I just called it Berman and had it killed.
0: Weird flex. <laughs> I
1: thought it was a pretty good flex.
3: Um, wow, everyone. Well, really, uh, really excellent round of uh, fanfics, I think. A very fun one. This is great. No stinkers.
0: Oof. Yeah, it's a a good way to round out Voyager before we move on to Enterprise. Speaking of stinkers. (laughs) Just kidding.
3: We haven't even seen it yet, Caitlin. Come on. I know, I know. I'm not being
1: fair. You're right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Open mind as, you know, next week. Next week. Oh, boy. Here's my, my last sign off and I'll rush through it because fuck it. Enterprise doing it with Broken Bow. The first episode... Premier length figure of enterprise. Yeah, I know Prepare you've all your
3: decon gel. You've all Ugh. been waiting for
0: it. It's what everybody's been here for, so get hype for that. Uh, meanwhile, if you want to read these stories yourself, they're all up on our Tumblr. Uh you can find them at sshppodcast.com. Definitely be reading up every all the great content we have over there. It's a lot of fun. And that's it for Voyager. I'm gonna miss it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Save save Star Trek Prodigy. Come on, guys.
2: My my thing was a prequel.
0: Kind of. Yeah, we had Asensia. I like seeing her. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm. I actually, I I went on Memory Alpha to find an actual Prodigy star date, of which there are few, and Hmm. uh, they don't do really captains logs. Yeah, and subtracted from that to get to get. Oh wow! Yep, nice. Well, nerd. But also, I figured since it's a Paramount Plus Star Trek, but not Prodigy, Janeway would get to say fuck.
0: Oh,
1: absolutely. Mm, I, en- yeah,
2: I
0: enjoyed uh, it thoroughly, I'll yeah. tell you that.
2: <laughs> this was this is like the webisode prequel to Prodigy there we go.
3: That, uh, that's not going to air on Nickelodeon. <laughs>
0: Everyone's been asking for.
3: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. All right, well, until next week, as usual, this has been Ames. This has been Caitlin.
2: This has been Jake. And this has been Reg Barkley twice.
0: Oh, And happy seventh anniversary, guys.
1: Yeah, happy
3: seventh Yay. anniversary, wow.
2: Happy-versary, everyone. We did it.
0: Yay. End
3: very,
2: program.
1: Very cool. Nope, we've got 10 years left. We have so many years left.
3: Oh,
2: God. They just keep making shows. Stop it. Except Prodigy. Make all the Prodigy. Yeah. Honest, actually, honestly,
0: they've started canceling shows, so well, yeah, not really. Uh,
3: Good night. And pay your fucking writers and actors.
0: Do it. Damn
1: right. And robots.
2: Oh, before she starts, there is something I should mention, because I don't think I'll be able to edit it out, because I think it happened under someone talking. When Caitlin hissed as Felix, I went, ah! And that, for those of you at home, was because one of our cats was on my lap. Oh, no. And got spooked by the hiss and (laughs) (laughs) ran. Sorry,
1: Hades. Sorry, Chris.
0: Aw. You do a good Felix, Caitlin. (laughs) Thank you. Yes.